Radio Theater Project, Theater of the Mind for Today. Comedies and dramas, mysteries and science fiction, old stories and new. Radio Theater Project, Theater of the Mind for Today. Classic Stories presents Beneath the Land of Oz. Oz books are modernist fairy stories that replace the European dark medieval morality tales with a bright, sunny, anything-can-happen American style of storytelling. Here's the further adventures of Dorothy Gale with her cat Eureka and new friend Zeb Hugson. Presenting part two of Beneath the Land of Oz from a story by L. Frank Baum, adapted for radio by Joseph McGuire. After coming back from Australia, Dorothy and her friend Zeb Hugson were caught in an earthquake. A fissure opened, dropping them into the land of the Mangaboos, cold vegetable people who tried to destroy our heroes. They escaped by being driven into the Black Pit, which led them to the pleasant valley of the Vaux, inhabited by nice invisible people. They were told that the Pyramid Mountain would take them up into the sky, where they might find a way to the surface and the land of Oz. We have arrived at the Pyramid Mountain. There's a sign. What does it say? Warning. These steps lead to the land of the gargoyles. Danger. Keep out. I wonder how Jim is ever going to pull the buggy up so many stairs. No trouble at all. Still, I don't care to drag any passengers. You'll all have to walk. Suppose the stairs get steeper then you'll have to push the buggy. That's all. We'll try it anyway. It's the only way to get out of the Valley of Vaux. How are you doing, Jim? We've been going up for quite a while. Well, I am glad that there is a cavern that I can take a rest in. These tired old bones haven't worked this hard in years. Not since you drove a cab in San Francisco. Well, it don't get done unless we're doing and there's more stairs on the other side of the cavern. Over there, it's a funny looking man. He's in the center of the cavern. Get up, Jim. Get up. Where did you come from? No place at all. That is, not recently. Once I lived on the top of the earth, but for many years, I have had my factory in this spot. Halfway up Pyramid Mountain. What a nice lot of braids you have in your hair. Why, thank you, young miss. Have you a factory in this place? Oh, to be sure. I am a great inventor, you know. And I manufacture my products in this lonely spot. What are your products? Well, I make assorted flutters for flags and bunting, and a superior grade of rustles for ladies' silk gowns. Uh... uh... I thought so. May we examine some of these articles? Why, certainly. Where are your products? Right here are these boxes. This box contains 12 dozen silk rustles, enough to last any lady for a year. Will you buy it, my dear? My dress isn't silk. Never mind. When you open the box, the rustles will escape whether you're wearing a silk dress or not. In this box are many assorted flutters. Flutters? My good man, indeed. They are invaluable to make flags flutter on a still day when there is no wind. 
You, sir, ought to have this assortment. Once you have tried my goods, I am sure you will never be without them. Yes, I have no money with me. I do not want money. I could not spend it in this deserted place if I had it. But I would like very much a blue hair ribbon. You will notice my braids are tied with yellow, pink, brown, red, green, white, and black. But I have no blue ribbons. I've got one for you in my hair. Here you go. Oh, you have made me very, very happy, my dear. So take a box. You may need them sometime. And there is really no use of my manufacturing these things unless somebody uses them. Why did you leave the surface of the earth? Oh, it is a sad story. But if you will try to restrain your tears, I will tell you about it. I will try not to be overcome with emotion. On Earth, I was a manufacturer of imported holes for American Swiss cheese. And I will acknowledge that I supplied a superior article, which was in great demand. Holes? You made holes? Oh, yes. I have also made pores for pores plasters and high-grade holes for donuts and buttons. Finally, I invented a new adjustable post hole, which I thought would make my fortune. What are post holes? Holes you put posts in. Adjustable? How handy. Oh, yes. I manufactured a large quantity of these post holes, and having no room in which to store them, I set them all end to end and put the top one into the ground. That made an extraordinary long hole, as you may imagine, and reached far down into the earth. And as I leaned over it to try and see to the bottom, I lost my balance and tumbled in. Just like Zeb and me. Unfortunately, the hole led directly into this vast space you see outside this mountain, but I managed to catch a point of rock that projected from this cavern. Here, then, I made my home. Thank you for this most enlightening tale. Uh, we must be going now. Thank goodness. We're nearly there at the end of the stairs. Jim, you're in front. What do you see? Let's go down again. Nonsense. What's the matter with you, old horse? Everything. I've taken a look at this place. It's not a fit country for real creatures to go to. Everything's dead. Up there, no flesh or blood or growing thing anywhere. Never mind. We can't turn back and we don't intend to stay up there anyhow. It looks dangerous. See here, my good steed. Little Dorothy and I have been to many odd countries in our travels and always escaped without harm. That's right, Jim. We have even been to the marvelous land of Oz, haven't we, Dorothy? We don't much care what the country of the Gargoyles is like. Go ahead, Jim, and whatever happens, we'll make the best of it. All right. Well, I'll be Hornswoggle. The country of the gargoyles is all made of wood. Wooden leaves on wooden trees. Wooden birds flying through the air. The grass is a grass. It's all splinters of wood. No food for me here. What interesting people. They're all made out of wood as well. 
Some of them even have wings attached so they can fly. What's that sound? Wood clicking. That must be how they talk. I don't like the looks in their eyes. Gives me the shivers. Unhook me from this buggy so I can fight. Done, Jim. My sword isn't stout enough to cut through those wooden bodies, so I'll have to get out my revolvers from my bag. I use them for stage tricks, so they're full of blanks, but the noise will help. What harm can the gurgles do? They have no weapons to hurt us with. Each of their arms is a wooden club, and I'm sure the creatures mean mischief by the looks in their eyes. Even these revolvers can merely succeed in startling them. With only 12 shots, it won't last long. After that, we'll be at their mercy. But why fight at all in that case? It's every man's duty to do the best he knows how, and I'm going to do it. I wish I had an axe. If we had only known we were coming, we might have brought along several other useful things. But well, we dropped into this adventure rather unexpectedly. Suppose we escape down the stairs, too. We have time just now. No, it won't do to go back, for then we would never get home. I have a parasol that I bought in San Francisco. I can protect myself with it. Ready? Here they come. They've locked us up. Wasn't that awful? We should have tried to talk to them. Oh, I don't know. We didn't manage to hurt anybody, and nobody managed to hurt us. I wonder why they didn't kill us on the spot. They are probably keeping us for some ceremony, but there is no doubt they intend to kill us as dead as possible in a short time. Are you sure? I know they had a mean look. Maybe they thought we were trespassing. Yes, my dear, but we have no need to worry about that just now. Let us examine our prison and see what it's like. This seems to be their time of rest. They are all going to their houses. Since there's no night here, they must select a certain time of day in which to sleep or doze. I feel sleepy myself. Why, where's Eureka? <sighs> She's gone out for a walk. Where? On the roof? No, she just dug her claws into the wood and climbed down the sides of this house to the ground. She couldn't climb down, Jim. To climb means to go up. Who said so? My school teacher said so, and she knows a lot, Jim. To climb down is sometimes used as a figure of speech. Well, this was a figure of a cat, and <laughs> she went down. Anyhow, whether she climbed or crept. Dear me, how careless Eureka is. She'll get into trouble with the gurgles. <laughs> they're not gurgles, they're gargoyles. Never mind that. They might recapture Eureka. No, they won't. Wherever have you been, Eureka? Watching the wooden folks. They're too funny for anything, Dorothy. Just now, they're all going to bed. They unhook their wings and put them in a corner until they wake up again. Well, well, that explains why this house is used by them for a prison. 
If any of the gargoyles act badly and have to be put in jail, they're brought here and their wings are unhooked and taken away from them till they promise to be good. I wish we had some of those loose wings. Could we fly with them? I think so. The power to fly lies in the wings themselves. So if we had the wings, we could probably fly as well as they do. At least while we are in their country and under the spell of its magic. But how could it help us to be able to fly? Come here. Do you see that big rock standing on the hillside yonder? Yes. It's a good way off, but I can see it. Well, inside that rock, which reaches up into the clouds, is an archway very much like the one we entered when we climbed the spiral stairway from the Valley of Vaux. I've seen it with my spyglass. Where does it lead to? I'm not sure. That entrance may lead to another stairway that will bring us up on top of the world again where we belong. So if we had wings, we could escape the gargoyles. We might fly to that rock and be saved. I'll get you the wings. That is, if the kitten will show me where they are. But how can you get down? I can climb down with the buggy harness, all right. No, you can't. <laughs> you may go down, but you can only climb up. Well, I'll climb up when I get back then. Now, Eureka, you'll have to show me the way to those wings. You must be very quiet. If you make the least noise, the gargoyles will wake up. They can hear a pin drop. Well, I'm not going to drop a pin. Be careful. I will. Come on, Eureka. Down we go. Fly away, Jim. Which wings must I flap first? Flap them all together. Some of them are tied on crooked. Never mind. We'll steer with the wings on the buggy. You just light out and make for the rock. Don't waste any time either. Whee! We're flying! Whoops, we're going up and down. Careful there, Jim. You'll make us seasick. I'm doing the best I can. There, hundreds and hundreds of gurgles coming after us. Hurry, Jim, hurry! Landing now. You stop those gurgles by lighting their wings on fire in front of the cave door. That will prove a barrier for some time to come. Anyhow, we've escaped those gurgles, and that's one comfort. Probably the gargoyles are still busy trying to put out the fire. But even if they succeed in doing that, it will be very difficult for them to fly amongst these rocks. Thank goodness there's no stairs, just a path leading up. I wonder what oddities lie ahead of us. What sort of place is this? The kerosene lanterns don't light up much of the cave. It's a den of alligators or crocodiles or some other dreadful creatures. Don't you see their terrible eyes? Eureka sees better in the dark than we can. Tell us, dear, what do the creatures look like? <laughs> I simply can't describe them. Their eyes are like pie plates, and their mouths like coal scuttles. But their bodies don't seem very big. Where are they? They're in little pockets, all around the edge of this cavern. Oh, Dorothy. You can't imagine what horrible things they are. They're uglier than the gargoyles. 
tut tut. Be careful how you criticize your neighbors. As a matter of fact, you are rather ugly looking creatures yourselves. And I'm sure Mother has often told us we were the loveliest and prettiest things in all the world. Let me hold up my lantern a little higher. Why, it's a dragon! No! You are wrong about that. We hope to grow to be dragons someday. But just now, we're only dragonettes. What's that? Young dragons, of course. But we are not allowed to call ourselves real dragons. Until we get our full growths. Where is your mother? She has gone to the top of the earth to hunt for our dinner. Oh, are you hungry? Mmm, very. Uh, and, and do you eat people? Oh, to be sure, when we can get them. But they've been very scarce for a few years. And we usually have to be very content with elephants or buffaloes. How old are you? Quite young, I'm sorry to say. All of my brothers and sisters that you see here are practically my own age. If I remember rightly, we were 66 years old the day before yesterday. But that isn't young. No. Seems to me very babyish. How old is your mother? Mother is about 2,000 years old. But she carelessly lost track of her age a few centuries ago and skipped several hundred years. She's a little fussy, you know, and afraid of growing old, being a widow, and still in her prime. Are we friends or enemies? I mean, will you be good to us, or do you intend to eat us? As for that, we dragonettes would love to eat you. But unfortunately, Mother has tied all our tails around the rocks at the back of our individual caves, so that we cannot crawl out to get you. Why did your mother tie your tails? She is sometimes gone for several weeks on her hunting trips. And if we were not tied, we would crawl all over the mountain and fight with each other and get into a lot of mischief. No, indeed. I don't wish to be eaten by such strange beasts. Permit me to say that you are rather impolite to call us names. Knowing that we cannot resent your insults, we consider ourselves very beautiful in appearance. For Mother has told us so, and she knows. I don't mean to insult you. Whether you mean to or not, we are of an excellent family and have a pedigree that I shall challenge any humans to equal, as it extends back about 20,000 years. To the time of the famous green dragon of Atlantis, who lived in a time when humans had not yet been created. 
Can you match that pedigree, little girl? Well, I was born on a farm in Kansas, and I guess that's being just as respectable and haughty as living in a cave with your tail tied to a rock. It occurs to me that we ought to get out of this place before the Mother Dragon comes back. Don't hurry. Mother will be glad to meet you, I'm sure. You may be right. Will you kindly tell us which way your mother went to get on top of the earth? That is not a fair question to ask us. If we told you truly, you might escape us altogether. And if we told you an untruth, we would be naughty and deserve to be punished. Then we must find our way out the best we can. We can't go back. No, we can't. Dashing through the revolving door into a tunnel and out the other side was enough for me. Never mind. We don't want to get back anyhow. I'm not so sure of that. The Mother Dragon may come down and catch us here. It is possible. If this proves to be the path she usually takes. But I have been examining this tunnel and I do not see any signs of so large a beast having passed through it. Then we're all right. Because if the dragon went the other way, she can't possibly get to us now. Of course not, my dear. But there is another thing to consider. The mother dragon probably knows the road to the Earth's surface, and if she went the other way, then we have come the wrong way. Dear me, that would be unlucky, wouldn't it? Very. Unless this passage also leads to the top of the Earth. For my part, if we manage to get out of here, I'll be glad it isn't the way the dragon goes. So will I. It's enough to have your pedigree flung in your face by those saucy dragonettes. No one knows what the mother might do. Get up, Jim. This is the end. We can't go any further. But we're almost on Earth again. Because there's a most beautiful sun. It is showing through the crack in the roof. Almost on Earth isn't being there. We are all helpless to escape. We may be helpless, but there are others who can do more than we can. Cheer up, friends. I'm sure Ozma will help us. Ozma? Who's Ozma? She's the girl that rules the marvelous land of Oz. She's a friend of mine, and Ozma has an enchanted picture in her room that shows her the exact scene where any of her friends may be at any time she chooses. All she has to do is say, I wonder what so-and-so is doing, and at once, the picture shows her where her friend is and what the friend is doing. It's real magic, isn't it? Truly so, Dorothy. Well, every Saturday at 4 o'clock, Ozma has promised to look at me in that picture. I'm to make her a certain sign, and she will put on the Gnome King's magic belt and wish me to be with her in Oz. Do you mean that Princess Ozma will see this cave in her enchanted picture and... And see all of us here and, and what we're doing? Why didn't you do this before? I was waiting for it to become Saturday. Is it Saturday? I think so. So when it's four o'clock, I will... Make a sign so she'll bring you to her in the land of Oz. That's it. Exactly. 
by the means of the magic belt. Then you will be saved, little Dorothy. And I am very glad of it. The rest of us will die much more cheerfully when we know you have escaped our sad fate. I can easily save you all, once I'm in the land of Oz. How? By using the magic belt. All I need to do is wish you with me, and there you'll be safe. Safe in the royal palace. I built that palace and the Emerald City. I'd like to see them again, for I was very happy among the munchkins and winkies and quadlings and gillikins. Who are they? The four nations that inhabit the land of Oz. I wonder if this Ozma would treat me nicely if I went there again. Of course she would. They're still proud of their former wizard and often speak of you kindly. What time is it? Half past three. Then I will wait until four o'clock and make my sign. Since I will be going back south, it is nice to see you all before I go. I'm so glad to be here. I want to thank you again, Osma, for rescuing us from under the world. My pleasure, Dorothy. I'm afraid what I have to say is of grave concern. Oz, you owe the princess a sincere apology for your meddling in the affairs of the Kingdom of Oz. Me? Meddle? Do not try to humbug me. I know all that goes on in the kingdom, from my book that writes all that is done. So you know... Yes, I know. I know you hired old Mombi to enchant Ozma to hide her away after King Pastoria of Oz died. He had passed away just before I arrived here. But you are right, Glinda. I may be a humbug, but I'm not usually a thief. My only excuse is I never amounted to much in my world, so being offered to run a whole country was too tempting. Then, what have you to say now? Princess Ozma, I humbly apologize. Your Majesty, Princess Ozma, Zeb Hudson would like to see you. Oh, certainly. Princess, I would like to go home now. I don't seem to fit into fairyland, and the old horse has been begging me to go home again. So, if you could, use that magic belt to send us home. You know I feel I need to go home as well. I wish to see Uncle Henry and Handy M again. I will miss you, Dorothy. And you as well, Zeb. But we must all be where we are happiest. Tomorrow I will send you all home. I wish you all well and a fond goodbye. You must come again sometime. I will, someday. But Uncle Henry and Auntie M need me to help them, so I can't ever be long away from the farm in Kansas. She's gone, just like that. Where is she? Greeting her uncle and aunt in Kansas by this time. Now get ready. I'm much obliged for all your kindness and very grateful for your saving my life and sending me home again. Jim and I feel we ought to be where we belong, and that's on the ranch. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Zeb. Goodness gracious, Zeb and Jim. Where in the tarnation have you been, my boy? Why, in a whole other different world, Uncle. In a whole other different world. 
Classic Stories presented part two of Beneath the Land of Oz, based on Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz, book four in the Chronicles of Oz, written by L. Frank Baum, adapted for radio by Joseph McGuire. In the cast were Chloe Forsyth as Dorothy Gale, Inocencio Valderrama as the Wizard of Oz, Claudia Cimini as Eureka the Cat, Roy Nessel as Zeb Hugson, James Anderson as Jim the Horse, Joanna Bruno as the Dragonette, Noelle Eshte as Princess Ozma, Rebecca Murray as Glinda the Good Witch of the South, and Donna Ray Brockman as Jellia Jam. I'm your announcer, Ann Bodle Nash. Edited by Jay Charles. Production assistant, Bobby Wiley. Directed by Dave Johnson. Recording engineer, Juan Arakin. Recording technician, Carla Ayala. Produced by Joseph C. McGuire. Recorded at KSVR Studios in Mount Vernon, Washington. This is a Radio Theater Project presentation. This program is supported with a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.